Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Cult Film Review. I am your host, Cody Everett. This week, we are talking to William Butler. Uh, you may know him from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Leatherface. You may know him from uh, Goonies 2, Audience Zero. I have some films. He was in Arena. He was in Arena? He was in He was in From Beyond. He was also in Friday the 13th Part 7. So many films. He was a really awesome guy to meet. I know that I yeah. just said that really weird. Yeah, very. Uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a good guy to me. <laughs> he was a real good guy. No, dude, he was he, he was, was awesome. He, dude, was, he was fantastic. Awesome. He's fun as yeah. hell. Uh, and dare I say, uh, uh, a friend to the podcast now. So uh, enjoy the episode. Uh, he's going to talk about a lot of cool stuff. One of them survivors. So listen to that and uh, enjoy the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hey, how's Go it going? Hi. Well, no, it's just a, it's like I said, it's a freeform conversation. Um, That's very I'll, flexible. I'll do the intro. Okay. I will edit that in later. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> you're an asshole. Yeah. Now that we're officially friends, you're an asshole. <laughs> but one of the things I would, I do want to ask you about um, is I was acquitted of all charges. Is um. so. In reading about you, did you grew you grew up as in, a, in like a carny. Yes, this this is my mother and father um, ran food services and rides in a midway, a traveling midway, and we also did backstage catering for uh, people like Dolly Parton and Prince and Holland Oates, and uh, it's pretty was pretty amazing. Wow. I was 13 years old, and we did backstage catering for Prince. I don't know if you've ever read on my Facebook page, but uh, this has nothing to do with horror. But one of the funny things is, is my mother, as a treat for letting me bring the food back, helping her was to bring the food backstage for Prince. And I brought a tray of warm nuts. And according to his writer, he wanted no cashews, but my mother just put them in there anyway because she didn't care. And he made me stand there at 13 and he flicked them at my face one oh by one. God. No yeah, way. That is true. No way. Yes. That pisses me off. I feel like Prince would have a little more class. Than no, that. he didn't. No. No, he's Prince. <laughs> no. It well, was a was... 1999 tour. And yeah. uh, actually, if I can tell you a long story short, he flicked the cashews in my face. And I was 13 with a home permit, like 230 pounds at 13, with a home permit of bow tie. So imagine that <laughs> visual <laughs> with the cashews being flicked in my face. And then I suddenly hear, Prince! And I uh, look, and Prince looks, and uh, there's Vanity from Vanity Six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And she says, Stop it. And she grabs my little fat meat face in her hands. And she says, <laughs> Don't let him do that to you. He's an asshole. And she full on kissed me, tongue kissed me. What? On the mouth. Oh. Vanity at That's 13? Amazing. I got my first kiss from Vanity. Oh, my God. So she, after she kissed me, she said, now go get my chicken wing. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't because I started crying and I went to my mother and father. I, I don't want to go back into the throwing cashews at me. Who knows what they're going to do with hot chicken wings. <laughs> Sounds like you walked into like room 237 from The Shining or something. Yeah, absolutely. Like some weird ass shit going on. But you know what? It makes for a good story. <laughs> yeah, I got my first kiss. Thankfully, no herpes from Vanity. Yeah. Oh, thankfully. And, uh, and everyone has a magical story about Prince and all I can tell you was that he was basically an asshole. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of the unicorn of Prince stories because yeah. he sounds like a really awesome guy. I'm pretty we sure know that's he's probably human the best now. Prince story I've heard yet. That's <laughs> hands down the best Prince story I've well, heard. Well, I was dreaming when I wrote this, so sue me if I go too fast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you. Good night, everybody. It was nice seeing you guys. <laughs> Wonderful. So, yeah. I mean, were you you're traveling a lot? I'm traveling now. No, no. I mean, oh, no. As, as a oh, child. no, no. We did uh, West Coast. Okay. We did Ice Capades. We did uh, Dolly Parton. We did Prince. We did um, Hall and Oates. And we did Disney on Ice. We did Disney on Parade, which they don't do, which is like a show where they're not on ice. Yeah. Uh, we did the Barnum and Bailey Circus. 
We did all the fairs. So we did all that. My job as a little kid for my parents breaking the child labor law was uh, to let me drive the golf cart with the ice truck. Oh, nice. And I was that kid going through the carnival midway with a beep, 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 <laughs> and you look, and there's someone driving the ice. So I had no problem with it. It was the most magical thing ever. In fact, uh, Bob Baker, I don't know if you guys know who that is, Bob Baker from Bob Baker Marionettes was always traveling with us. He was one of the few um, marionette guys left on the planet and he did a show there he did the marionettes from close encounters of the third kind he did all of the marionette work from bed knobs and broomsticks he did all the marionette work from escape from witch mountain not the stupid one the cool one <laughs> yeah. not the one with yeah. the rock yeah. yeah and he was there and at a very early age i was obsessed i would in between driving the golf cart and beep beep with a home perm i would go and watch bob baker and so as, as far as my mind was, I was in show business at nine years old. So I was really happy. That was going to be my question is like, did you feel like that was you were always yes. destined for show business? Yes. Yeah. In fact, still to this day, I produced a show um, that's called the Chuck River Show, but n- not many people outside of Los Angeles know about it. It's a live show. It's featuring all the groundlings. The groundlings are the same people that were Kristen Wiig. Yeah. And, and Will Ferrell, and they all came from, and it's a fake 1970s talk show, and in the opening of the Chuck River show, there's all these uh, kind of, uh, there was this dance troupe in the 70s called the Gold Diggers, Dean Martin's Gold Diggers, and we have these beautiful girls that just come out of every crack of the theater, and they go-go dance, and I remember from being, working in the circus, those beautiful girls in the front line that come out and look at all the audience, I remember them always looking at me, and I always thought, wow, they're looking right at me. And so when I was directing the show, I would tell them, make everybody in the audience feel like you're flirting with them. So yes, it absolutely influenced my work now. Mm -hmm. And what was the very first film that you ever did? The very first film that I ever worked on was a film, I was 17, and I was sleeping in my car, and I answered an ad in, um, it was called Dramalogue, which I think it's, called something else I don't know what um, and I ended up going to Spain on my I was 17 oh, wow. having to get a um, passport and go to work for Charlie Band in Spain I was supposed to be there for oh. three weeks and I ended up being there three months I ended up getting my SAG card and becoming friends with Michael Pere and um, and because I was so stupid and because I was 17 and I had suddenly been in the business from sleeping in my car I just thought being in the business was easy. Yeah. And therefore, as we all know, with the whole law of attraction and the whole if you don't, what you don't know is better, right? I thought that it was um, easy being in show business. And I just started acting and working in effects. And I just thought it was easy. So I would just show up and go, what are we going to do next? And people would just follow suit. Instead of trying to prove myself, I always went into the meetings like, I had already had the job, mm-hmm. but I didn't do it forcefully. I just thought I had the job. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then it continued until late into the 2000s where I just was kept acting and I wasn't really that good. I was mildly cute. And I think that goes a, <laughs> that goes a long way in show business. Yeah. Because I sucked when I first started acting wise and then I just learned how to act. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing you know when you're on set is... Uh, when you are on set, you go, oh, my God, they suck. And, but the editor makes you not suck. Right. So I thought, well, wow. I, I'm only, I only mildly suck. Yeah. So the editor only has to do half as much work. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. What is it? Is the, is the key really? I mean, you always hear this is like people tell you, like, don't act. Just be natural. No, like, that's is, true. Is that, is that mostly mm-hmm, true? That's true. Yeah. Mostly like now that I'm directing, when actors get all caught up in that Shit, I just go, just say the lines and listen to what, it's mostly listening. Acting is 99% confidence. It's 1% good hair. 1%, just 1%. Yeah, Uh, and it's mostly just listening. If you're willing to really listen to what the other person says, who cares what's on the script, no matter what anyone tells you, and just listen, and then it's, it can be terrific. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think by Night of the Living Dead, I think I, uh, I learned that because on my first day of working, both George and Chris, his wife, were sitting as close three feet away from me, 
watching the monitor where I had to do the hardest monologue, a long monologue. And I just thought, okay, well, I'll be flown home by the end of the night. And then by the end of the day, they both said, you seem very vulnerable and you're perfect for this. And I was like, I can't believe I, I now got through the hardest part of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And now I have a month and a half of just carrying doors and nailing doors to the wall because that's what I yeah. did. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Just carrying doors for a month. <laughs> carrying well, that was a fun. That uh, was a pain in the ass. Those doors were real. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime anyone can I say fucked up? Yeah, oh, you can say um, anytime anyone fucked up was a, a lot. I'm not going to name names. Judy Rose. Um, <laughs> anytime they would screw up, she was her first movie, so she wouldn't hit her mark. After taking a real door off the hinges and nailing it to the wall with a wrench, they would go, "Oh." Someone, William, take this out. Someone didn't. <laughs> someone didn't hurt, hit their mark. Okay, we'd pry a real door off and like, yeah. you know, oh I wasn't a redneck. I was some wussy from L.A. with, you know, <laughs> who like faked his way through this. So I just, it was very tiring. I was very happy after two months for the movie to be over with, even though it was a great experience. No, it's one of my. I think it's probably one of the best remakes, honestly, ever done of all time. I, I think it's close. It's up there. I mean, Patty Tallman is the um, is amazing. Tony Todd. Tony when Todd. I got there, I just thought, oh shit, they're all so much better than me. <laughs> I remember being in a scene where we're all talking together, and I have my hand on the gun, and I remember in the scene looking at them like, oh shit, like how soon are one of them gonna realize I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> and I just thought, you know what, Billy, just just. Just mirror what they're doing, and then and I did that, and literally after a couple of days, I was like, "All right, I got this." Yeah, it's all confidence and good hair. Do you well, feel like pe- people <laughs> are like other actors or actresses are particularly judgmental on sets? Like they're watching you to see if you're bad? not on this, like, not on that one, because I'll tell you why. I was roommates with uh, Vigo Mortensen for about five years, and Vigo and I were very hippy dippy when it came to acting, and we did a lot of. I'm going to say stupid things that most, I kept scrap, like I would do a character scrapbook where I was like, this is where he likes to eat. And you know, my whole thing was like, he likes to eat at LB's big boy and he likes black amateur porn. And he like, I just, I knew everything. He secretly likes black chicks. And like, I like had a book and so I would kind of look through it. And so by then I, I didn't really give a shit what anyone else did. I didn't feel like I was the best actor, but I I knew to do the work, which is what I had been studying with Stella Adler, who is one of the most famous acting teachers of all time. I actually studied with the Stella Adler. So that part of it, but I just didn't know. Camera technique and real acting are two completely different things. And you learn that. That's why you see sometimes on TV shows when they're hits where actors continually get skinny as the series goes along <laughs> because camera technique and acting acting, stage acting, are two completely different things. So uh, I was a stage actor and I learned, you know, it sometimes can get in the way of your acting because you're all about, especially me, my whole thing was my bangs in my face and pouting and being a cute boy next door. And that's not really real life, is it? Especially now with today's acting. Yeah. So um, I had to quickly discover a happy medium, which I somehow did, which was very, made me very happy because I'm really, I am really proud of that movie in particular with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Which you should be, honestly. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> I've seen a lot of, a lot of that going around this, I mean, probably because of the people that are here at the con, right? Like uh, a lot of like the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. Well, no, it's. I think it's 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 getting its just due finally. Yeah, is yeah, that weird to I say? Um, I think it was. I under, don't know. I feel like it was underappreciated when it first released. I think maybe a little. I think it was very. Uh, it was very weird for me for one to go to the. Okay, so the thing about acting in the 90s was you would get paid a tremendous. I think I made like sixty thousand dollars for being in that movie. But they make the movie, and then a year later it comes out. Well, the way you book acting jobs is you book one one big acting job. That was a huge acting job. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was working on Young Guns 2, which I was ultimately cut out of. Vigo was in the movie. He did not get cut out of it. He taped my screen test, and I went from Young Guns 2 to go shoot uh, Night of the Living Dead. And I shot it, and then I had money. And then a year later, I had no money. I was like scraping chains together to go to the premiere of the movie. So I remember going to the movie and thinking, this is really cool. I have no money, and now I have no job prospect. 
and then going to pay just because it was in the theaters to go see it at Universal Studios and thinking that was really cool. And then after that, just being like, oh, shit. Now what? <laughs> yeah, it was like, was it hard to enjoy because of your situation at the time compared to... No, you? because uh, you know what? If you know you're awesome, you're <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> so, Eric, right? Is there a secret to that? Is there a secret that you learned about keeping and staying working that... Mm. You perhaps learned throughout this. No, no. I'll, I'll tell curious. you why. I'll okay. tell you why. Okay. Um, we're all artists here. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure you all have at some points in your life lived with your foot to the floorboard, right? Yep. Yep. When things are going good, they go good. We buy a sound deck, and yeah. when they're bad, we sell we a sound del- deck. We eat a del taco, <laughs> and we sell the sound deck. <laughs> you know, if in your heart you know you're completely a unicorn which we all are we would not be able to endure this shitbag business that we're all in then you ride it out you Uh know and so i was never really afraid and i've been really poor and i've been really rich mm, four times in my 30 years i've been like up down up down and right now i'm in the middle which is great and some big stuff just happened recently so i'm gonna be up again so Mm -hmm. no i'm not afraid when you know you're Awesome. awesome you just have to carry that with you and who cares? The bottom line is this, you know, this is the one thing when Vigo and I live together. It's like, do you have food in your stomach? Yes. Do you have a roof over your head? Yes. Calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty good advice. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like simple, you know. You're full as you were when you were rich right now. Mm-hmm. We were. We just ate a bunch of shit food from this hotel. <laughs> yeah. And um and uh and we have a roof overhead, so whatever. Okay, so I'm going to eat 99-cent store burritos for a couple weeks before I'm yeah. eating at the Palm with a $400 steak. It's really not that different. It's just all food, and we're all masticating. And, so. and you always hold on to the idea, or I'm assuming you always hold on to the idea that the next great thing could be around the corner. There's no could. Well, the next great is. thing is around the corner. Okay. okay. Yeah. Do you uh, just – sorry to – it's, don't you feel that way for maybe like us in a way? Like, I feel I mean, that I, I, like, I, no, you guys are the real fucking thing. Where's your, <laughs> your serious show? You guys are terrific. Thank you. No, <laughs> no, come thank on, you. you guys. Yeah. I was gonna say retards, and I know that's wrong. <laughs> well, we're horrible. only we're only a year deep. You know, you've been in this business for. I mean, you've spanned well, generations. I'm Father Time, like, and Father Time's <laughs> telling you you're the real thing. When you, trust me, I've done. A lot of other radio shows in worse places. <laughs> <laughs> when you were um, when you were doing like Friday the Thirteenth, Texas yes. Chainsaw Massacre, yes. Did you know that these franchises were going to be what they were? They already were huge. Yeah, and um, I'm a fanboy, so I wasn't an actor that was looking for an Oscar ever. I am a fanboy who somehow lucked out. And ended. I had been working a lot before Friday the Thirteenth, but Friday the Thirteenth was the one movie where I got a lot of attention. So um, I, yeah, I just was there and I kicked ass. <laughs> well, how did you get the role? Um, well, just- okay, so I went. Uh, Anthony Barneo was the um, casting director. And I went originally, it was supposed to be a uh, rock star guy, and I'm just not him, but they liked me, and so they kept calling me back and kept calling me back, and they said, all right, you're a yuppie. Yeah. And I was like, I will be a yuppie. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, they dressed me basically like uh, Catherine Hepburn from On Golden Pond. If you look in the movie, I'm literally wearing the same outfit, with the turtleneck <laughs> and the Eddie Bauer, you know, shirt and the pants tucked into the Reeboks and Norman, you old poop. You know, I just was very, yeah, yeah, On Golden Pond. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm white as white can be. But so. I, f- I feel like you get the in the Friday the Thirteenth at least. You get the shining moment as far as you get the girls kill. And what I mean by that is is you get the runaway scene like in that movie. Well, you get the the slow chase. And that's then, so weird when you're doing that too cuz you know when you're filming it when you're filming it first of all, I think I said at the thing, I don't know if you went to the thing last night, but basically like the area we filmed in Point Clear, Alabama, which is no longer in existence because of a hurricane apparently. Um, and there were alligators everywhere. So there were people with guns, and they would just say, if you're running and an alligator comes at you, 
don't be afraid because Gator Man will kill them. <laughs> so you have Kane Hodder, who's completely fucking nuts when he's pretending to be Jason, wanting to truly kill you. There's no acting there. You're really scared. And then you're running thinking, am I going to step on an alligator? In the meantime, there's lime ticks everywhere. Oh and you're God. a guy from L.A., so you're like, I can't complain. Because if I complain, they're going to say I'm a stupid actor from L.A. who's afraid, not afraid of alligators. I'm afraid of lime ticks, which I was afraid of all of the above, yeah, including. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So they tell you to run when you're filming. They tell you to run like half as fast. Like, no, 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 don't run. Run half as fast because it does look – you can't tell the difference. So uh, I did it, and um, it was horrifying, and Kane scared the shit out of me. I can imagine. He's like, what, six, seven? Yeah. Like, huge. I've known him a very long time. Me and him are very, very good friends. And he is an asshole, I just want to say. (laughs) (laughs) He peed in my dressing room. Unbeknownst to me until he wrote that stupid book of his. Wait, he peed in your dressing room? I was in uh, one of the Chainsaw Massacre movies. Yeah. And he... Just one played. I was in uh, part three. uh, (laughs) I had to remember for a minute. And, um... He was leather, he was the stuntman, Leatherface. He did a lot of work on that. And uh, apparently, according to what he wrote in his book, he would pee on my dressing room floor every day to try to piss me off. But I was so in my head, I had no idea I was doing it. So um, little as you know, I like to be peed on. So no, here. I was a kidding. Don't like to be peed on. Don't write Oh, my that. God. Not that anyone cares. Yeah. Really? Anyway. Pull some shenanigans like that. Like, you think you want to fuck with somebody. I like, told him I shit in his wastebasket. Oh. <laughs> Did you shit I, in- I told the world he gave me anal warts. So I just want <laughs> to, like, fuck with everyone. Okay, okay. Did you shit in his wastebasket? No. Should you have, though? I'm yeah. very modest. Should you have, though? Yes, yeah, I should yeah. have. <laughs> like, well, I took the wastebasket into my room and shit What's in it and re-delivered it. over there? Cut off What's, hand. Oh, that's, what, that's what this microphone was in. Oh. Oh. It looks like something that Edgar Allan Poe would keep a cut-off cut hand. Sorry, audience, there's yeah. a wooden box sitting on the table over there, yep. and these guys are you know, mildly creepy, so I was, something might be killed here. Yeah, there might be a tongue in there. We don't yeah. know. And you're all sleeping in this one bed, heart. which is cozy. <laughs> so uh, another thing I want to ask you about is uh, your work on Power Rangers. Yes. I am a Power Rangers fan. Really? What yes. season? Uh, all of them? <laughs> Good answer. So it doesn't matter. Uh, what was that like? Just working with that whole scenario. How do you feel about the new movie? Um, okay. Okay. So, so let, it, let me uh, have it. I was an actor. And then when I hit the wall and I was no longer able to be the boy next door because I was 35, I started doing voices. And one of the first voiceover jobs I got was doing monster voices on power rangers and um i loved it i loved the people they were all really nice and eric roman who was the head of the network liked me and um gave me an opportunity to start directing safety psas the power rangers safety psa oh, you did those God. you've got the power yeah, yeah. I, oh, oh shit you know what those are yes <laughs> and so i start i directed all of those i can't believe you you guys are such liars you no, do not know no. you all grew up in yeah. that so. so i did all that and i did lightspeed rescue and i did um animal Power Rangers, Animal, Fuck Me to Tears. And, um, I missed that one. It's a dark episode. Know. Yeah, yeah. it's a lost episode. Animal, bestiality, Rangers. <laughs> and I did all the, I did Animal, I can't even remember. But anyway, uh, so I ended up directing a few episodes. And from there, uh, Saban, which I love more than anything, ended up turning into Fox Family Channel, yeah. which set my career. So, it was a lily pad for me to jump from acting when I was like, I don't know what else to do. Vigo and I had done like a little short film um, and uh, I ended up, they watched it and someone said, you can go be in our special projects department. And I directed about 300 things, including some Power Ranger stuff. Wow. And it was great. Um, what do you want to hear about Power Rangers? Because I could tell you some good stuff. And no, basically it was, basically overall it was good. The Platinum Ranger was a little slow, but everybody else was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like, um, like, like let's say the new movie, How do, have you seen any of the images? I'm thrilled for, that? for them because right? you know what Haim did was they sold Power Rangers. And he bought See, it here's back. how smart how Haim is. 
He sold Power Rangers to uh, Power Rangers. It's like when people say orange juice. I'm saying <laughs> Power Rangers <laughs> instead of Power Rangers. I'm going downtown drinking orange juice and my stocking feet. No. So anyway, he sold the Power Rangers to Disney, but he said something like, if in five years, I'll say it like, if in five years I do not like what you're doing with the Power Rangers, I have the right to buy it back. Well, he waited fucking five years, and on the day of the fifth year, <laughs> he bought it back because he didn't like what they were doing. And no, he's they, right. Disney fucked him up. Yeah, because they tried to fucking sanitize it, and he knows what he knows everything. He's yeah. a genius. He really is, and a very, very nice person, and a very, very giving boss. No shit. I don't work there. I have no reason to say that. That company was the best company I have ever worked for. Genius. Everyone that works there is a genius. They're kind. They're not full of shit. They know what's good. They understand what kids like. They don't sugarcoat it, and it was great. So I ended up being at uh, Fox Family Channel for about seven years, and then Fox Family Channel was sold to Disney, and I did the dance with Disney for about 10 years, Yeah, and uh, which was marvelous. I directed everybody, Zendaya, Bella Thorne, Sabrina Carpenter. None of your listeners know who that is, but they're huge <laughs> stars. Google it. Yeah, Google it, bitch. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was terrific. And um, I may or may not be going back to Disney soon. So wow. I don't know. That'd be awesome. I mean, Disney's a powerhouse. Yeah, like, especially with what they've got with now going on with all the Marvel stuff. Mar- like, oh, just tell me where to stand, fellas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can tell one of you will be a studio head soon enough and just... Yes, the answer I'm hope, is yes. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. So, Al, there's no hoping. You guys are the real thing. Acting or directing? What? I mean, I know they're two different mm. things, but how do you, okay. how do you so, feel about it? Uh, so, I was a tremendously fat kid who came to L.A. and whose mother and father said, you will never make a penny because you're fat and ugly. And then I came to L.A., and I became not that as a result of their hideousness, mm. which some of us have endured, right? Mm. Or right? Oh, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're never going to, you're, you're wasting time. Uh, you're wasting time. Yep. And I hear that a lot. I happen to be one of those kids. Yeah, well, they're wrong. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Because I learned that too. I got skinny and I was fucking beautiful, <laughs> you know? And I was like, holy shit, soup's on, get the ladle. And so it kind of, it kind of um, boosted my self confidence, which I had none. I thought I was a loser. And and I still was, but I didn't look like one. And I just said, I'm going to try it. And because because I told you earlier, I didn't know that um, – I didn't know I wasn't going to get the jobs. I thought I was only going to get the jobs as a result of my efforts of becoming slim and okay. Yeah. I, um, I did great. The problem is um, with my career is a couple of things. For one, I'm a huge horror fan. So – I would be in blockbuster movies, but I would also be in your $50,000 movie. I didn't care because I loved Mm -hmm. horror so much. Well, for us, that's terrific. For the Hollywood system, that is not terrific. And when you become 33 years old and the only major things you've been in are things that are major horror franchises and 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 the major horror franchises go away, Hollywood is done dancing with you. Mm -hmm. Now... I didn't care about that, really, because I would do crime reenactment if I still wanted to um, keep acting. But the thing is, in order for me to stay super skinny and to, for what um, Hollywood wanted and what Hollywood perceives of me, because I don't know how to be a character actor, even though I probably am one now, I don't know how to do it. I just know how to like be the best friend. I didn't know how to do anything else. So for me... You know, my my strong point, I never was really that terrific of an actor, but I have always been a very good writer. I wrote for the National Lampoon in between acting jobs. I wrote, I've written many things. And I thought, you know what? I can sit at home in my sweats writing. And I don't have to go do 4,000 crunches every day and worry about whether I'm pretty or not because mm-hmm. yeah. it's a losing battle. For, for for an ingenue, it's a losing battle. I wasn't smart enough to become a character actor. I wasn't. I wish I was because I do love acting. I'm not, I don't know how to do it. I'm not smart enough to do it. I'm not good enough to do it. And so I just shifted gears and started writing. And from writing, I learned that I love writing and telling stories much more than I did posing and preening mm-hmm. and crunching. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not good at crunching. You know, it takes a lot for me to keep my shit together. I was very ordinary looking. Imagine how much work I had to do to look ordinary. Yeah. You know, I had a home perm and I was 290 pounds, you know? (laughs) So do you feel like you kind of took like, um, and a lot of people say this is the best way to live your life, like the path of least least resistance rather than trying to force yourself into something? No, no, not least resistance. Hollywood forces your resistance. Mm. You're either out of the business. Listen, God bless a lot of these people that are here today at this convention. I don't know if you're even going to mention that, but we're, yeah, at a con- we're at a convention in Arizona, and there's a lot of performers that are much better actors than I ever, ever could dream of being. They haven't worked in 20 years. When Hollywood is decides it's done with you, that's it. It's a horrible, ugly, acidic business that is a machine about making money. There is no, it doesn't matter if they're casting white people in Asian roles, and it doesn't matter if you're too fat. First, They don't care. It's about making money. And once they think in their stupid minds that you can't make money off of you, then you're out of the game. Mm-hmm. So you better find another direction. So for me, I'm much better at, telling stories, and I, I, I fluked into acting, and yeah. I loved doing it, and I'm tremendously proud of the fact that I weaseled my way into all these franchises, but I wasn't special, and I was lucky to have been in it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people know that, so mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed at all. No, you shouldn't be, because... I'll fight every single one of you. Well, so the, <laughs> but, the thing, but the thing is also, is like it takes a lot of courage to even take yourself to that point because a lot of people would talk themselves out of it like I'm hey, not be a little mentally ill and yeah. think you deserve it <laughs> <laughs> my dad said I'll never get this I'll prove him wrong <laughs> I don't think that's true yeah, actually for a lot of people yeah. right yeah I mean so, I, fuck them they don't fucking know yeah I know, I, my dad wanted to be a professional baseball player he didn't do it but guess who was in the star of Night of Living Dead Poppy yep. Chulo <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I'm in the same. I'm in the same scenario though too. Yeah, it's when like, they keep saying, "When are you going to get a real job?" Yeah, and it's like, like um, "Well, I actually am doing pretty well at what I do." Yeah. You can never, ever, ever. Your parents don't know. So you guys are all young, so you have parents probably my age, and which were a very nurturing um, era of parents. My parents from my age were like, "We'll punch you if you, if you don't do what we." <laughs> You know, get out there, mow the lawn, or we'll throw acid in your fat face. You know, it's like you guys are all gimbery and like, you know, get in the corner, you yeah. son of a gun. You don't get to watch Barney today. We're a little older than that. Oh, all right. oh see, how, see how he's got to be. Now that surgery is working out so well. No, but it's so true because, like, they're you know, I mean, even us, like, our parents have what told you know oh. they they want they want you they don't want to see you struggle and they think like being a yeah. part of the arts is a struggle mm-hmm. and yep. it's something yeah. that not everybody gets. Yeah. So my mom still to this day says, oh, "That's good. When are you gonna work for Steven Spielberg?" Right. <laughs> oh my God, Mom! I never thought of that. I'm gonna call him today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> Ginger dead man, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, I was high on pot when I thought yeah. of it. I was, I was thinking, thinking a lot. lot. Yeah. <laughs> thought it was a great idea. Thank you guys all so much for those bong rips before we started tonight. Oh, <laughs> God, I Just wish. In case your parents are listening, I'm yeah. joking. No, it's okay. It's no secret. Oh, donors. <laughs> so you've worked with Charles Band. Yes. How is he to work with? Okay, so... I don't know what story you're looking for with Charles Band, not, but for me, I have only but good things, and I'm not bullshitting. He's been nothing but the sweetest guy to me through... Yeah. through A lot of what you're here is horseshit. Okay, so when I was 17 years old, like I told you, uh, I tried to work on a movie, and I ended up working in Spain. It was supposed to be three weeks. It ended up being three months. In Spain, 17 years old. I had never been out of Fresno. Yeah. I was sleeping in my car. And uh, we went to Spain. We lived at the Apartamentos Via Magna. And the um, uh, per diem was $800 a week, which in uh, the money exchange time was like $2,000 a week because the money exchange was expensive back then. And yeah. we made about $800 a week working on the movie. And I was making three grand a week. I was 17 years old for three months. I got my SAG card. And then I came home and I was able to get an apartment and – you know, and then he he called me and said, "We're going to start doing movies in Italy. Do you want to go to Italy? Can you help coordinate for John Beekler? Yes." 
and uh, I'll put you in Ghoulies 2, audience nothing. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and he, yes, and I did it. I helped coordinate, and I was in Ghoulies 2. And I ended up living in Italy for four years for free. That's amazing. I lived at the Excelsior Hotel, which is at the top of the Spanish Steps, which is a hotel room that's about $800 a night. He gave wow. us $800 a week per diem. This is when Charlie had money. The thing that yeah. people don't understand is when Charles Band has money, he is generous. I'm not shitting you. He paid us well. He fed us well. Not only did we live in the best hotels and we eat the best food, but he would invite us. I want everyone to come to dinner to the center of Rome, and he would buy dinner, and he wasn't trying to con you at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I stayed there. I stayed there and I learned a lot about life and love and people and fucking and eating and, <laughs> you know, it's different in, yeah. than it is in America. And family and your parents are very important. I learned so much and I don't have one ounce of bad news for him, about him. He was generous and lovely and and a mentor. And, uh, you know, I eventually, because I was in my 20s, by the time I lived in Italy, I'm 24, I wanted to go back to the States because I had money and I was like, okay, I'm not an Italian. Yeah. And I pretty much fucked everyone in Rome. (laughs) (laughs) I want to move on to the people in Los Angeles. (laughs) So uh, I went to home and then I kind of pulled away from it and then it shifted. Empire Studios shifted and there was financial issues. Yeah. But I think that's with any company. I don't, I really don't Mm -hmm. listen. All companies have hanky-panky, yep. even, including my own that I owned. There's shit that happened. So it shifted, and he opened another company. And uh, he's a good friend. and He seems to keep bouncing back, oh my I God. feel Well, like. there's a reason yeah, for that. Yeah. Because for those – listen, he pays his bill late like the rest of anybody that owns a company. Yeah. He's a fucking creative genius. He is the sole person that has kept – a genre that I, as a viewer, like watching, I will watch anything. I will watch Puppet Master, and I will watch I will even watch some shit I don't like. <laughs> I love The Boy. I watch The Boy. I'll watch anything. So to me, a Puppet Master or a Demonic Toys or whatever, I like watching it. Even if I think it's, oh, that stupid ginger dead man, mm-hmm. I'll watch it, you know? <laughs> what, ha- what happened with that with you so, and ginger dead man? Okay, so I was... Um, I wrote it for National Lampoon. Yeah. And uh, we were doing some fake comic books. And uh, we were going to, I pitched a stupid thing called Ginger Dead Man, which is about a killer gingerbread man. And they passed. And I was like, okay. So then I went to Mad TV. And I wanted so badly to write from National Lampoon, I wanted to write for Mad TV. So I went to Mad TV and I pitched Ginger Dead Man as a sketch. And they're like, we already did Snuggle. They did the Snuggle Bear, which Mm -hmm. was great. Mm -hmm. Basically the same thing. So um, they uh, said pass, and then I was like, okay, well, that's fucked, and it's a stupid idea, and whatever. And then one day, Charlie Band, about a year later, said, what's the stupidest idea you ever had? And I said, Ginger Dead Man. And he said, congratulations, we're going to shoot this in a year. It's amazing. Uh, that is awesome. Okay. So I wrote a screenplay. He hated it. And he said, this is like a $8 million movie. I'm like, okay. He's like, I'll give you $500 for the idea. And I said, I'll be by this afternoon to get my check. <laughs> so he wrote me a check. I didn't care. It was Ginger Dead yeah. Man, right? Yeah, yeah. So he did it, and he did his own version of it, which, in my opinion, his version of it is one of the better ones that the fans love because it's a bloody, scary, trying-to-be-serious movie and where I just went, you know, he did one and it made a fortune. They make them for nothing. I'm not yeah. allowed to say how much, $65,000. And then they make a fortune. And then uh, he the said, what? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> where are we? <laughs> anyway, so uh, so anyway, so then um, they said, will you do part two? And I said, N- I'm not going to do it like you did it because I hate the way you did it. He's like, well, how do you want to do it? And I'm like, I want to do it like Mad Magazine, like I thought, like really stupid. And I want it to be really dumb. And he's like, okay, well, what do you mean by that? I go, I want Ginger Dead Man to be crucified. (laughs) And he's like, you are so stupid and talentless. You start shooting in a month. (laughs) So we wrote it. And then I just invited every friend I have. We shot it in five days, no money. And then it made a fortune. 
So then after I made a fortune, and I, I had kind of kept in the closet about it, I had a fake directing name and a writing name. And I was like, fuck it. It's funny. Like, to me, yeah. a movie like that, it's so stupid. And I was just like, eh, we just made it for each other. And yeah. people hate, some people hate me for it. And I don't care because we just made it for like five of us. Yeah. And yeah. I figure like if five of us like it, then we like it. And if not, then. I don't know how anybody to... can hate anybody for making something fun. I well, mean, you know. My it's... opinion is if something's made for half a million dollars, $65,000, um, <laughs> it, and it cuts together, uh-huh. it's like finding a unicorn. So fuck you. You yeah. cut together a $65,000 movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, $500,000. Yeah, no. You Hold shut it. up over there. 100. I'm going to have Bo come up here with another <laughs> another round. There was a bartender downstairs named Bo who resembled a 85-year-old Bo Derek. Yeah. <laughs> but she was very generous she's, with her poor. She's from Jersey. She's from Jersey. She now lives in Arizona. Arizona. That's where yeah. we are. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> just reminding yourself. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So I keep looking at there. I keep thinking, are we on the moon? Like, what's happening? Yeah, there's some fucking cacti. Yeah. So uh, I want to hear about these pigs that kill you guys while you're here. Halloweenas? Olivia de Halloweena. (laughs) (laughs) You never see him. You, you really you never Patty see was chased. Patty, Patty, Patty tells stories. You never Patty see him. Patty was chased down Main Street by a pig with tusks. Yeah, they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. They, they they'll will. do it. Is that true? My parents live like out in this this wilderness that we call a desert, and uh, they have this this woman that used to like feed like a family of them. What the fuck are right? you doing <laughs> that for? And they're chasing. They you. fired her ass. But I mean, <laughs> your mother or the pigs. Thing. No, no, the, this oh, woman that was like, like, a, with this. like a groundskeeper or something yeah, or whatever she, was she feeding did. Because she was feeding them and like bringing them around the houses and all this Patty other stuff. Patty said, I, and Patty's Don't not a liar, you. although you might have sensed otherwise. She said <laughs> she was walking her dog and one started chasing her. She, she ran for a quarter of a mile. Yeah, they have a good endurance. Good endurance. How do you know this? All right, so if uh, I see one, I'll just lay down and get eaten alive. What is the future for William Butler? What is on the horizon? Well, I that you can talk about dinner uh, dishes at Denny's, which is a restaurant chain in California. No, Um, (laughs) you guys have Denny's? No, yes, you do. Uh, Okay, Uh, no, no. Uh, Okay, so what can? Okay, so I'm writing Beauty and the Beast for Sci Fi Channel, which I'm happy about. Uh, It's like uh, Snow White and the Woodsman. It's that kind of a twist where. Beauty kicks ass, and I like that kind of stuff. And I like stylized filmmaking. Frankly, I like any filmmaking that I'm happy about doing. Yeah. Um. So I'm doing that. And what else am I doing? I'm probably going to go back to Disney for a little while. Yeah. Um. And uh, there's this thing, this project that I've been working on called The Survivors, which maybe some fans know and maybe some fans don't know, which is basically uh, I was trying to write a uh, – new horror film, and uh, I couldn't think of anything that hadn't been done already, which I think is the big problem with horror films now. That's why I kind of liked The Boy a little bit, even though it was kind of a mashup. I thought The Boy was at least trying to be something different. It was tricking you to be Chucky, and it wasn't Chucky. And so I know a lot of people hate it, but for me, it was something different. If I see one more fucking horror film that's like, we found a camcorder. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm not falling for that bullshit. What's that new one that they keep saying is coming out? This is the scariest movie ever made. It's everyone that comes out. The forest or whatever, the trees or whatever. We found a camcorder in four campers. Oh, my God. We're sucked into the bushes by somebody. By it's not even believable because people don't even carry cameras. It's so bizarre. I've been sucked into the bushes so many times. It's so bizarre because... Good night, like, Fort Lauderdale. You no. hear that across the board from the horror fans and from the filmmakers themselves that we are so burned out of found footage. We are so burned out of documentary style. We are so burned out of that whole whatever thing. Yet they keep making because. Them. People are stupid. It's cheap. I'll tell you what that I blame. Middle America? I blame, yes, I blame yeah. YouTube, for one, for fucking up the attention span of the average young person. If it can't be fucking told in 30 seconds, they don't want to see it. With 30 True. cuts. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. It's like, True. oh, um, what's the, not YouTube, what's the other one? Um, uh, the other one that you watch in 30 seconds where you show your cock and it's never seen. Oh, Vine? Vine, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I knew that was your dick. That's it. But anyway, no. So anyway, it's also like, yeah, let's tell a movie in ten second bites. You know, it's like, 
it's like, come on, okay, fine, you have no attention span. You know, I was I was laying in bed the other night, and uh, I will admit I had never seen the movie. Maybe never, you guys haven't because you're young. I'd never seen To Kill a Mockingbird, and I I watched it, and I was like, holy shit, yeah. this is real. Oh, it's, fast. Re- it's a, it's great a movie. reflection of humanity, you know. And I just was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So like, uh, yeah. So anyway, so I thought that I would do something that wasn't. That that was yeah no I blanked there, out so that badly. needs to go no, away sorry. that needs to go away real fast because it, I mean no, I agree I work in an independent horror film uh, distribution company and probably forty percent of the films that get submitted to our company are exactly that and Stupid. it's because it's so cheap to do it's Who cares so inex- about that shit? it's so inexperienced it, like you don't have to be a filmmaker to fucking run around yeah, with you the camera have, you don't need a so, cinematographer or any of that all shit. right so yeah. you got Hold me back camera. on track so one night i was asleep and i was like how the hell am i going to make the next cool horror film yeah. and i fell asleep and my friend lynn Shea, who's in the movie oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's in insidious she's a very good friend of mine and in my dream she came to me and she said i know what the answer and i was like okay what's the answer she said and she told me the story and um, I'll try not to tell too much because I may or may not have a shot of vodka before I came in here. <laughs> uh, basically, the story is this. 25 years ago, there was the most notorious killer that ever lived in all time. Forget Jason. Forget Freddy. Forget the Hillside Strangler. This guy was a murderer that went from group to group for 25 years, killing groups of young people until he decided to fade away. I'm talking about from 1968 to these days. So yeah. it was groups of cheerleaders, the prom queen, the ballet school. And little by little, as this killer was killing all these groups, these groups of women, the final survivor, there was always one final survivor. They um, eventually began to get in contact with each other, and they formed a group called the Survivors, a very secret group. And uh, one day after 25 years where the killer finally disappears, he comes back. And they're all in touch with each other. And they're in sort of a therapy group. And they're like, what? And they're like, he's not dead and he's not dead anymore. So they decide to band together and go after him instead of him coming back. Very cool. That it's, sounds awesome. It came to me in a dream. So after the dream, I call my friend Todd Stides, who's my best friend in the world, who is the big, biggest horror fan as I am. And I said, I had this dream about every final girl in the history of movies banding together as a team and going after the ultimate serial killer. Fuck that old school shit. Like, this guy is an amazingly scary killer. He said, write it down now because that's the next thing. So I wrote it down. And then one by one, I called I, – first I called Heather – no, first I called Adrian King. I called Adrian King. Halfway through the pitch, she goes, this is genius. I'll do it. I called Heather Langenkamp. I got her. I called I called everyone. Yeah. I called Virginia Madsen from Candyman. Oh, yeah. Got her. I got the girl from Hellraiser, Ashley Lawrence. Yeah. I got I got everyone. I got PJ Souls from Halloween. I got everyone. You can not name anyone of the upper tier of yeah. people there and they all said yes. So I started to go to pitch to the studios and said, I have this. And they were all, they all shut up, which never happens. And they were like, you thought of the, this is the new scream. Yeah. Like you just deconstructed horror. You just deconstructed a deconstruction of horror. Like you just, you hit the jackpot. And I was like, okay, cool. What do we do? Well, I'll tell you what we do. We will... I'm not going to say what company. Um, we will pour a ton of money into this movie, but we have one note for you. Okay, what's that? Cut out everyone over the age of 30. What? What the fuck? I'm not fucking with you. Uh, and I go, as what you guys, I go, uh, that leaves like two people. Yeah. <laughs> and they go, you can't have anyone over the age of 30. No one will ever watch this movie. I say, you're, you're fucking, fucking wrong. wrong. <laughs> I said, we are a giant contingency. No, you're not really a giant. You're a third. You're a third of the audience. No, we're not. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you want? Well, we want some hot 20-year-olds. I'll put hot 20-year-olds. There's <laughs> yeah. 25 ingenues. Yeah. Okay, I'll put Emma Roberts in there. I'll put the ones yeah, yeah. that people, young people love that I think are talented. 
that, you know, <laughs> we'll put them in there. Okay, well, we just want only Emma Roberts in there. I said, uh, okay, so the way the Hollywood systems works, and I'll wrap this up because I know you guys are growing long white beards and want me out of here. <laughs> basically, um, basically, I had a meeting a month for a year where uh, it was them telling me how much I need to cut everyone over the age of 30 out of the movie, and I'm not willing to do that. So yeah. I finally walked... Well, you shouldn't. That company went out of business yeah. after a year. So I took the I took the pitch and I went to an even bigger company that not only did not want the women, they didn't want me. So I've spent the last six months writing the screenplay. I know the movie was going to get made and it's going to be the best thing for all of us. Oh my no, God. I agree. And right? That sounds amazing. You want to get those hot 20 year olds in? So what? That's the daughters. Fine. Uh, you know? we'll yeah, do, like, no, wait till you read this. Wait till you read the script or you see the movie. You'll go, oh, the movie opens with a 20 year old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's the one that supposedly has the secret that the killer's. What's mm-hmm. going on with the killer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, great. it's a great idea. Thank I, you. It sounds amazing. You stick with it long enough, somebody's Lynn gonna... Shea told it to me, and I'm a dream. All right, <laughs> I know you want to get rid of me, so let's go bowling. Or <laughs> let's go bowling at the bar. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go bowling. Let's yeah. go bowling. At thank the you. Bar. Thank you. Thank you so very much yeah. for being on. Yeah, thank, thank you for yeah. having me. It was amazing. Yeah. Where can people find you at? Where can they? Uh, okay, follow I'm you at? on Facebook, maxed out. At 5,000, but if you're either uh, interesting enough, cute enough, or uh, murderous enough, I will 86 someone, and <laughs> I will let you in. Uh, I am on Instagram, film dog Billy B, and I'm on Periscope, even more scandalous, film dog Billy B number one, but I can't guarantee that you won't see something scandalous as you saw earlier at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yes. I'm not special, but thank you guys for having me. Thank you for being on. Appreciate it. All right, guys. That's our show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you to William Butler a thousand times. He was an amazing guest. Uh, It was really awesome to talk to him. And uh, you can follow Mike at at Mike Salusio on Twitter. Sometimes writing about filmmaking on FriendlyNeighborhoodFilmmaking.com. Just a little. You can follow Chris at Cult Film underscore Chris on Instagram. You can follow Kyle at You can follow me at Cult Film underscore Kyle on Instagram. And I think I'm on Twitter, but I don't post often. <laughs> and you can follow this podcast at Cult Film underscore Review on Instagram. Cult Film underscore Review. <laughs> cult Film. The same at Twitter. Yeah, same at Twitter. That's the fucking same thing. Same everywhere. Cult yeah. underscore Film underscore Review underscore yeah. Neighborhood Filmmaking Who the fuck was the, who, who was the guy that review. didn't get the underscore? We haven't even. Oh, Find... like the Cult Film and Review? About it yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. Search them out. Anyways, we find them. We should find them and get that. Get that. We should hunt them down. And I think we should fight them to the death. Boy. <laughs> so make sure you head over to iTunes, rate us five stars, leave us a comment, and remember, if you're gonna join a cult, just make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week. <laughs>